Winona Forever is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head on over to cageclub.me. Hi, I'm Lindsay Gibb. And I'm Rekha Tulsaram. And this is Winona Forever. here today with uh, a special episode. We are interviewing Nigel Goodall, who has written a Winona Ryder biography published in 1998. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Nigel. Hi, guys. How are you? All right? Not bad. How are you? Okay, thanks. Um, so I guess to start, how did you, uh, how did you find out about our podcast? Um, I think I just found it online one time, um, and I thought that was what I was listening to was very interesting on 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 the some of the movies that you were highlighting, mm-hmm. um, and some of those movies were my favourite. So it was kind of interesting to listen to what other people thought um, as well as what I thought. So that's that's how I really came across it. Okay. And it, it I think it was either on Facebook or, or one of those kind of social media things. So, so, uh, so which ones you were saying? Which ones? So which ones are your favorites? The which of her earlier? Ah, uh, yeah, that, that's a difficult question. But I, I have actually been thinking about that because I thought you might ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael certainly uh, has to be one of my favorites. Nice. Um, Heather's is another. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, um, all the early, all the early movies as well. Um, you know, Edward Scissorhands, Mermaids, um, that whole period yeah. that actually I wrote about in the book um, of her early nineties movies are right. certainly my favourites, and, and was really, I think, uh, the story of how the book, why I decided to write the book. I went to see How to Make an American Quilt. When it was being shown um, in 1995, I think it was, mm-hmm. as part of the um, 100th year of cinema in the UK. So they were showing all these films all day over a whole weekend. And you'd pay a pound just to go and see any of the movies. They had classic movies like Casablanca. They had new releases where, well, where, um, uh, how to make an American quilt was shown. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, me and my daughter went to see it, and when we left the cinema, I said to my daughter, "You know, I just have to write a book about her." Mm-hmm. And that's how, <laughs> and that's how it really started because I had followed her since Lucas, anyway. Right. And, and so from, um, and she was just so extraordinary and different, and I had never seen an actress who was actually quite so natural as she was. Um, and when I saw How to Make an American Quilt, that just, I just knew then, okay, the time has arrived for me to actually write a book. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That was one of the things we were super interested in is how you kind of came to her. So mm-hmm. it was that particular film that sort of did it, <laughs> that and like, You're you like, know, okay. led to that now one. I got to write like, about yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah, it, that clip, it was very strange because I think two weeks before that, or two weeks after, should I say, I was speaking to a um, publisher at Virgin Books in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the commissioning editor. And I went, uh, I was actually trying to sell a book on Olivia Newton-John okay. at that point. Uh-huh. And she said that, no, not really interested because they thought Olivia was not really cool enough or hip enough. And then she said, but we would be interested in someone like, say, Winona Ryder. And when she, uh, right. uh, when she said those words, I said, well, I'm, I'm your man. <laughs> and um, then um, she took it to various editorial meetings. It didn't actually, she couldn't actually get it through editorial meeting. Um, with publishing, uh, where an editor might like your book and think it's, you know, a goer, then when they take it to editorial meetings, it's usually the sales guys that say yay or nay. And if they say no, then 
that's it. So what happened then was I started touting it around every publisher. And it was quite amazing to me because so many publishers actually turned it down. Hmm. And um, it was, I think it went on for eight months. The, The first edition of the book that never actually happened but i wrote it um was for a publisher called smith griffin and um eight months after them looking at the the proposal and my various you know sample chapters um they wanted winona to authorize it and we tried to get winona to authorize it but her publicist didn't you know, told us it was totally inappropriate to write about her, which I thought was odd anyway. Um, so, inappropriate. Um, yeah, it, it was inappropriate. Um, and they literally told me to, you know, kind of drop the project. Right. Um, so uh, then kind of eight months on from that, uh, Robert Smith, who owns Smith Griffin, he's now a literary agent. He actually phoned me and said, would you be interested in doing Winona as an unauthorized biography? Um, And he gave me the weekend to literally um, make the decision if I wanted to do it under his offer and under his terms. And um, because I had kind of told Mara Boxman, Winona's publicist, that, you know, I would hold off. I kind of had to think about it over the weekend because I didn't want to really... uh, set the cart with anything or anybody Mm. but but in the end I decided yeah if I don't do it now I'm never going to do it so I accepted the terms and it was um, commissioned and then two weeks before it was due to come out and it was due to come out before Alien Resurrection or with Alien Resurrection because that was the whole point of the book Mm. because we were covering her first 20 movies in, in her first 10 years um, so this was a celebration of her 20th movie. And um, then two weeks before the book was due to come out, it, the Robert Smith's company, Smith Griffin, went into liquidation and the book was uh, was cancelled. And obviously the Smith Griffin catalogue was put up for sale for, to various publishers. It then ended up finally with John Blake, and John's idea was to do a hardback in April 90, I think it would have been 97, no, yeah, no, April 98. And um, then Smith, um, who was W.H. Smith, who was a big, big bookseller at the time in this mm-hmm. country, said they didn't want a paperback and they didn't want it in April. So they wanted a paperback in um the following September, but no hardback. So what we, we, the, we were then given this extra time to, which was quite good really, because it gave me extra time to, you know, go back and rewrite certain passages and, and also update it all the time, which became a bit of a nightmare because at that particular point in her, in her life, she was absolutely, you know, chronically busy, mm. um, movie after movie after movie. So, um, and we got right up to, I think, you know, when she started dating Matt Damon. And that's where the the book kind of, you know, kind of wrapped off because we had a cutoff date. I think it was measurably July or August. I remember when it came out in the 90s. I I, I actually do, but I wasn't able to get a copy of it. I lived in Ottawa. There was no, I don't know. It wasn't in a bookstore? Nah. But I remember, like, looking it up and, you know, trying to figure out how to get it. I didn't know. I think it came out in the States in the November. So there was a, a kind of delay between the mm-hmm. UK. Right. And I think what happened, they just literally um, shipped out copies to the, the U.S. distributor. Right. So I think that's that's what happened. Um and then I don't know if you remember Eric Harshbarger's Winona Ryder site, which was an authorized website. Um, and he. Which website was that? Like, what was the. That was called the Winona Ryder site. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Eric actually got it authorized by Winona. Oh. oh. Um, but then um, I think it was, oh, within uh, a month of the book coming out, he closed it down because um, various things that oh. um, 
were promised to him that never happened. And oh. he, he felt that he, he had done all he could do with it. So, right. Uh, and, and that's it, why you might not remember it. One more. 1998, of course, or in the, in, you know, when Eric was running the website, um, you know, this was the kind of first celebrity website that had actually been authorised. So it was, mm. it was quite new. And I don't think, I think that the publicists and the agents didn't actually get the potential of it. Um, and yet today, you know, celebrity websites are absolutely the, you know, the in thing. Every celebrity has their own website. So, um, and they're on social media. So, yeah, they're definitely on social media now. Definitely on Instagram and Twitter. And wherever. So you you have the ability to actually contact the celebrity or at least write to the celebrity, which back in the 90s, um, there wasn't any such thing, I don't think. Well, I think the uh, fan sites were more of a thing in the 90s. Like, definitely, Rekka, you yeah, participated. Yeah, I was definitely in, I can't remember what it was called, but uh, it was the one where, like, you know, all the fans were on the one, and there was a message board, and there was so much activity in this message board. Like, people contributed to, you know, buy her gifts and things like that. Oh, yeah, I think that was the for love of no neighbors that I think that was... For the love of Noni? Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> and I, and I, I think they collected um, for a birthday gift and they collected or did a fundraising thing to buy her a watch. Watch, yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Rekha, you and I'm not, I, I'm, I've never heard that she actually received the watch. <laughs> I remember they posted a picture of... of her wearing, uh, they think it was her wearing the watch. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. But I don't know. I don't know if that was <laughs> true or not. True or not. I didn't. I didn't contribute, but I remember it was they were taking taking collections <laughs> for the watch. For That's the watch. Amazing. Yeah, and I, I'm sure she did sent sent lots of gifts and things over the years, and um, I think this was a kind of you know a website, you know. We know a website kind of gift to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was quite a good website, as I remember. And they, they, there seemed to be a lot of them that came along after that time. Um, but a lot of the research material that I was able to access came from Eric's site because he had all the articles. Um, it was really a no-nonsense website. He didn't go into, you know, the chitter-chatter or the, the rumours. So it was all, it had literally all the uh, kind of articles that appeared in all the magazines. Mm. It was like an archive or something. Yeah, it was really, um, you know, that was kind of a research gift. And then we, I was doing my own research by um, calling people in Petaluma and uh, Hollywood, and uh, we spoke to Polyclass Foundation and the Petaluma Argus Courier, who turned around and completely surprised me and said, oh, we have a picture of her taken in her classroom. Um, oh, yeah. You described that in the book, and I wanted to know where you found that. <laughs> Yeah, well, the Petaluma Argus Courier, I, I became friends with a guy called Chris Sampson, who was the managing editor at that time. And I think he had he had taken the picture or he had gone on the shoot and they went up. It was around the time of Lucas and they had gone up to the stall and they literally um, wanted to take a picture of her surrounded by her friends on the desk and mm. so they sent this pitch to me and I thought this is truly amazing find and that they sent me a batch of other photos you know during the searches for poly class there were some really nice ones um and there were also some other pictures of her that the Petaluma Argus Courier didn't take but the San Francisco Chronicle did um of her lying on a railway track no. Okay, was that for something? <laughs> that that was again to promote Lucas, uh, but okay. um, we couldn't get the um, rights to use that photograph. So right. oh, we we said the school one was much nicer anyway because <laughs> it was kind of it was really kind of cool because n- nobody had ever seen a picture of Winona at that point mm-hmm. um, at that age in her classroom, which I think we, that was taken at Petaluma Junior High. Not, not, not right. the other, not mm. Kenilworth, where, where you know she got beaten up and 
you know, got kicked out. You know, that's right. That was before. So, but so by the time Lucas came out, she was, you know, at Petaluma Junior High, and I visited, and and when I went to Petaluma in 2002, I visited all these places and, um, you know, and it, it was very interesting because just before I arrived there, her whole house had actually been put up for sale, her family home. Mm. Uh, and we actually went and, and looked around that as well. So that was kind interesting of interesting timing. Yeah, it was just so perfect timing because, and actually for, you know, because we always heard that, you know, they were very kind of a poor family and kind of from the whole hippie, you know, commune environment. Mm-hmm. It was actually quite, it was actually quite a nice looking house. Um, so I, it, it was, it was nice to see. And it was nice. It, that trip in 2002 was really, I was just retreading the footsteps to see how much I had got right. And what I'd got <laughs> right. Wrong. Yeah. I was going to uh, say that was well after the book because the book came out in 98. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so but it it was I was there for three weeks. And I also went down to Hollywood and I was taken around all the Winona sites and I got shown um, some of her Oscar dresses and you know it, it was an absolutely wonderful trip to go to these places and that I think at the time I was there it was at the time of a whole shoplifting saga. So oh, yeah. um, two thousand two. Uh, she was um what i understand now and i didn't know at the time but she was actually had gone back to living petaluma um so she was actually in petaluma while i was there but right. i know about that. Oh. so it was a great show interesting so, uh, so you were doing some winona tourism in 2010 yeah, I, I was just like you know and, and the people i stayed with um which was chris from Petaluma Argus Crew and his wife, um, they took me around um, not only the Winona sites but places around California and around Petaluma. Interesting. Um, so in your book, you you know talked about Winona as someone who really kind of like took hold of her career from an early age and chose chose uh, roles that meant something to her. Do you think that she's been consistent with that after the time of your book? So like after 1998. Um, yeah, I think so. I think she's very particular in what she chooses. Um, I think she's very much a character actress. Um, and it's a character that, that, you know, makes her do a movie. Mm -hmm. I don't, she's not interested in box office. I don't think, um, never has been her, her, her idea is that she likes acting. She loves acting and it's, it's the character that, that she's going to play that will kind of, you know, encourage her to do the movie. I mean, I guess that goes very much for Stranger Things. And mm-hmm. and I find that kind of, because when I wrote the book, she said in, uh, in one interview that I was able to access, she said she would never do small TV screen work ever. And, of course, you know, everything's now changed because of Netflix and the way we watch movies. Um, and so I was quite surprised to see her do Stranger Things. But I actually mm-hmm. thought, right. uh, I thought her performance was, you know, absolutely splendid. And and what was nice, it, it literally put her profile back on top where it should have been. Um, I mean, Black Swan, we had a lot of rumours in the UK that that was going to place her back, um, you know, high profile and that she was going to be nominated for an Oscar, even though she, you know, she was only in the movie as more or less a cameo. But her performance in in Black Swan was, again, absolutely marvellous. Um, and again, I think she just she just chooses things that interest her. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think you'd find her doing you know action stuff. I suppose Alien Resurrection again, although it's a big action movie, um, it's because she actually loved you know Alien movies, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that was the appeal, and also the appeal to work with Sigourney Weaver, um, even though it was quite terrifying to her because of the um, underwater stuff. Underwater stuff mm-hmm. because of her drowning experience when she was about twelve um, on Dillon Beach. Um, uh, she got caught under a uh, on a wave, but pulled her out. 
and uh, she was apparently when they the lifeguards dragged her in, she was technically dead, but they brought her back to life. Well, uh, so ever since then, she's never been in a swimming pool or certainly mm-hmm. under water. Yeah. So. And there, there are lots of videos around of, um, you know, the crew from Alien Resurrection talking about that that whole filming. And at the time, she said she she actually asked the studio to if they could, you know, get her a double to do the underwater stuff. But then she had her hair cut really short, and she realised that, you know, she they couldn't get a double because yeah couldn't yeah, hide her under the hair or something mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so she realized she actually had to do it and i've seen footage um of her um rehearsing or practicing in the pool before they actually started shooting and she just looks absolutely terrified <laughs> so i really do you know, Shame feel for of, her yeah. yeah it seems so- like too it was like a scene that was so like there was so much action underwater and it wasn't just like you know a scene where she had to be underwater there's like a whole tank with a lid on it that mm-hmm. she's in it just seemed terrifying in its own way even for someone who wasn't scared of water <laughs> yeah and i mean i mean i think most of them i think scorny weaver was quite terrified of it as well mm. because the way the tank was built they had you couldn't just go straight up right yeah there was a you lid you had to go through various ways to get up, and that they had seems... safety divers. They and had... they had, like, issues. Remember Raul, Ron Perlman hit his head and oh. had to pull him out? Like, it was bad. It's not yeah. a, it, wasn't the, it was a bad idea. <laughs> it was weirdly done, I guess. And yeah. everyone was like, how did they breathe for so long in that scene underwater? Oh, yeah, just the scene. The scene in general. Like, it was so ridiculous. <laughs> Because they swam for so long. They swam for so long underwater. That they would have all drowned. <laughs> In reality. In yeah. reality. Yeah, yeah. And then, then you've got the alien behind them. And, and um, there's a story that the the alien, because um, they're basically guys in suits. Right. And um, the, uh, the alien started to sink the safety diver. couldn't get to him quick enough. <gasps> And he was like, the guy was sinking and, you know, they were like, cut, 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 you know, safety diver, safety diver. And and so they finally got to him okay. And um, But that was kind of a scary moment because, you know, and I think it became a bit of a joke because oh, the alien is dying before he's killed anybody. You know? Oh, my so, God. That's terrible. But, uh, I, I don't understand why the guy in the suit couldn't have, like, an oxygen thing on, tank. like, yeah, that you wouldn't see. <laughs> I guess maybe they're I, I, big. I, sh- I should think it's absolutely um, terrifying um, yeah. to film those sort of scenes. And that I think they spent two, three weeks actually filming that. That was the very first thing they filmed for Alien, um, was, was the underwater stuff. What a start. Uh, and I think Winona at one point said, they're just going to have to replace me because I can't do this, which, you know, would be quite normal for anybody who is, you know, literally being sort of, you know, terrified of water in the way she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gourney Weaver also went on on camera, you know, on, on the extras on the on the DVDs and stuff, saying, that, you know, she was terrified as well. Um so, and I think they went through quite a lot of training to, um, you know, how to breathe and how to hold their breath. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. Um, no, no, I wouldn't either, and I don't mind swimming. <laughs> yeah, hell no, I don't. Do Even that. if they say, you know, we've yeah. got a cameo for you with Winona in Alien, <laughs> yeah. like to go out the water, I say, no thanks. <laughs> oh, I think I might have, I might, I might do it. Uh, <laughs> that might be enough for Rekka. <laughs> They pay me millions, you know. A few minutes underwater, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, that film was one of the ones you you focused on for this book because it was the newest film when you were writing it. Um, Were there other films that you spent a lot of time with when you were writing the book? Um, I watched every film. uh, Although I'd I'd seen them in the cinema, um, I then got, um, of course, then it was VHS in 90, when I was writing a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, DVD hadn't come in. 
So I literally got hold of every VHS of every movie and I watched everything all over again. And I also got sent um, some videos of her um, or VHSs of her at the Oscars um, in interviews, all, all sorts of kind of um, any footage you could imagine. I think I had a tape like uh, a three hours of stuff and like additional um, stuff did you have auditioning type things in there um there was there wasn't much auditioning um but there and later on after the book came out of course she talked a lot more and and even now she's she's going back talking about things um uh that she did i think when she um she did an audition with Brad Pitt at one point, which I think well, I can't remember. The, it was one of the first films that she turned down or that her parents weren't keen for her to do because it had a sex scene in it. Mm. Uh, and um, mm. I was quite amazed that Brad Pitt, she actually auditioned with an unknown Brad Pitt. Which do you know what seemed, film that was for? He doesn't remember. Oh, you don't remember. Uh-huh. I'll I'll have to look it up. I, and I'm uh, so curious. Brad Pitt and Winona Ryder. I, I know the potential. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it was. You know, either it was. It must have been after Desert Bloom audition, mm. which. Um, oh, really early. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, before she did Luke. Um, so it was way back, and she talks about um, other things that I wrote about. Um, a lot of them still, you know, much the same as, as I wrote in my book, which is nice. Um, and That's good, uh, yeah. There are other things where she enlarges something and, um, uh, you know, makes it kind of, oh, she's changed that story. <laughs> um, that was one of the things I used to find with all, when I was looking for all the interviews and reading them, from interview to interview, she she could be quite contradictive in what she was saying. Mm. Um, so in one interview, she would say something, and in the next interview, it would be quite the opposite. Hmm. So I had to try and work out which is the best way to go. The whole idea of the book really was to um, not be my story of Winona. I really wanted it to be her story, mm-hmm. and that's why why it's heavily quoted and I wanted readers to kind of make up their own mind about you know who she was um how she got there etc etc and how she became you know the the great actress that she became I, I read a lot of reviews of films as well um and I tried to pick out you know a very balanced view of, of the movies but most mm. most most of the movies were absolutely always greeted very well anyway and um you know even if even if her movies were bad or thought to be bad she always you know she was always great in it and that's that's what the, the general consensus was i think mm-hmm. um, i mean the, it, it's, it's very difficult i think to pick you know a favorite movie um I mean, there are things like Great Balls of Fire, which I think is, you know, another incredible film um, because I, I grew up with rock and roll music anyway, so that was particularly interesting to me. And um, although that got quite a bit of criticism because, you know, it wasn't particularly true to the story, I just thought it was a very well-produced film. And her, she was 17 at the time to play a 13-year-old. I thought that was, she just bought that off so magically and I think that's the thing about you know whatever role she takes on she literally becomes that person um, do you remember the first Winona film you saw there like the one that was just like you know you're going about your day and then you see a Winona <laughs> film and you're like who is this person I have to watch all their movies well Lucas I I saw and I found kind of interesting but I guess it was when we got to Beetlejuice yeah um and Beetlejuice, I think I uh, I was married at the time, and I think I said to my wife um, when we left the cinema, I said, that kid's going to be a star. And um, I made many predictions in my life about who's going to be a star and who's not, and the people I said were going to be stars never were. <laughs> so uh, it was nice when 
<laughs> I mean, it, it was pretty obvious to me, Beetle, you know, Beetlejuice um, was going to, you know, that was, to me, that was her launch pad into, For sure. into the higher kind of movies that she would take on then. And I, and I think Beetlejuice certainly uh, opened the, open the doors for her to do, you know, the bigger movies. Although, you know, again, I suppose we could say that a lot of her movies are kind of, um, they're not necessarily big box office. Um, they were kind of, you know, oddball movies, if you like. And, um, you know, like Johnny Depp's early movies were. Um, and that what made them interesting, I think, because they chose such kind of, um, unusual material and unusual stories and unusual films to do. Mm -hmm. um, they, they weren't bothered about the Hollywood ladder. Um, I think it's kind of a shame, although Pirates of the Caribbean is very good, um, I think uh, Pirates of the Caribbean actually changed, you know, how Johnny thought because uh, Johnny wasn't interested in Oscar nights or Hollywood or anything like that. He was very focused on doing you know quirky movies if that's the right word mm -hmm. and um i think pirates of the caribbean changed that um because it became such a massive hit um yeah I, whereas winona doesn't seem like she's chosen things for commercial reasons no and i'm, I'm sure stranger things has taken her completely by surprise mm -hmm. um and I think she did that because she liked the story. Um, and uh, I don't know when it was when it was signed. I, I'm not sure. If, I feel, if it, was, it just seems like that whole show's made for her or made for me. But like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And 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 the Stranger Things. Um, I'm not sure if it was ever destined to go beyond one series. But yeah, I sure. guess being yeah. so popular, yeah, um, it just you know took off and uh season three as we all know starts in july mm -hmm. so i i will be binge watching again <laughs> yeah yeah same 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 so, yeah, yeah no it was really nice. it was really good to see her do that um because she could have bypassed it and um you know it was uh, the winona revival like everyone was like oh she's back yeah 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 amazing, i mean yeah. I mean, ever since Black Swan, she was back and she was coming back and she was going to be bigger and better than ever. And, of course, it's always, this is Winona's comeback and it never actually was. Right. And then when she did Stranger Things, um, they said the same thing and people say, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And, of course, it actually turned out that it, it was her comeback because it proved to be such a success. Mm -hmm. And, of course, she got nominated for the Golden Globe. Um which I really thought she would walk away with. Um, but then she was up against the crown with Claire Foy. And that was another good, they were two really good series or two good films, um, both the crown and stranger things. Mm -hmm. And I think Netflix is really the new Hollywood. And I think uh, we'll be yeah. seeing a lot more of, we know doing Netflix type movies. Um, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. see, like, in your book, you said that she uh, didn't want to do TV. And I think that's probably true of a lot of, like, movie stars, that they just didn't see TV as something, like, it's more of a stepping stone mm -hmm. than something that gets you to movies. But now, with, like, HBO and Netflix and everything, there, there's so many more, uh, like, filmic TV shows to do that yeah, you're getting like bigger stars in This Big TV. Little Lies show. I don't know what it is, but they're all in it. Yeah. Those yep. I've seen Big Little Lies. Yeah. Movie actors. <laughs> movie actors. <laughs> True detective. I also, I also think that um, Stranger Things has actually made her a bigger star because television does that. Because if you didn't go to the movies, mm -hmm. you wouldn't necessarily know who Winona Ryder is. Um, but now everybody knows who Winona Ryder is. Because yeah, it's a different audience. Stranger Things. Yes. I mean, it's become like a national obsession. Mm -hmm. Got to watch Stranger. Got to watch Stranger. <laughs> yeah, which is, uh, which is absolutely great. And obviously, she's getting a lot of um, a lot of press in magazines, um, which is always nice to see. Um, I'm pretty sure she has like there's a Stranger Thing. Like there's like you know action figures now. Like or what is it? What are those little funny? Oh, things? The, yes, the uh, pop Funko Pop. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
dolls. Yeah. There's a Winona Funko. There is. Oh yeah, yeah. They did actually. Um, I never saw it, but they did a Mina doll for Dracula. Oh really? Um, that was. I think if you can find one, it's worth a lot of money. <laughs> uh, and because uh, Dracula, I think. I'm right in saying is was one of her biggest box office successes, and um, I was one of the people that loved that movie. Not everybody did. Um, True. I, I thought it was very, very well stylized and very well mm. done, um, as you would expect from Francis Ford Coppola. Um, but we also know now that you know the hell that Winona went through um, making that film. Um, you know, of being insulted and on set and everything else, you know, you know, that I've detailed in the book. Yeah, isn't uh, that when, like, was it Keanu and Fort Coppola, they were yelling at her? Yeah. During that scene? Uh, yeah. And she didn't take to that very kindly. No, and, no. And who would? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it, I think, uh, I mean, she is totally responsible for bringing Dracula to the screen because... Uh, of her dropping out of The Godfather Part 3, you know, due to health reasons. And um, she took the script to Coppola and said, she had a meeting with him and then she just handed him the script on her way out and said, oh, this might interest you. And then he read it and he uh, <laughs> called her and said, definitely. And the deal was that she would play Mina. Um, and... Uh, I think he, it's just, I think the way Coppola worked, you know, by insulting most of his his cast to get to a certain point. And I don't think that um, any of them liked, certainly Anthony Hopkins, Keanu, Gary, um, and even Sadie Frost, they, they didn't like this whole rehearsal thing where they were all kind of, they spent weeks down at, at his wine ranch, you know, kind of bonding. And uh, Winona said that that was, you know, totally unusual and something that they weren't, she wasn't used to. And I remember seeing uh, an interview with Anthony Hopkins saying that he d doesn't like that type of thing because he just likes to, to go in, film and, and leave, you know, that is a job, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah the social aspect of it I wouldn't, I wouldn't like either. <laughs> yeah. They try and and um, I was oh I read an article recently where Sadie was talking about this and um, as soon as she arrived at the rehearsal ranch she was told to call everybody by their characters names so she would go up to Winona and say oh hi Mina and me and then Winona would call her um, her character name. Ah. That's such a method actor thing. Like, if, yeah. if everybody's not a method actor, it's a weird scenario to be put in. Yeah, you're like, oh, hey. Yeah, and, and I don't think Winona liked method acting, and then yeah. she was told to, you know, she was, you know, all the etiquette and all that type of stuff that they went through and the, the, you know, the, the speech coaches that they had and how they meant to hold themselves. Um, but I thought she... You know, I thought the film generally was was very good, and any time it's on TV, um, I always watch it. And even even it's not on TV, I often <laughs> dig it. Dig it up. So. Yeah, in our episode on it, we all also liked it. Mm -hmm. Though I, yeah, I know that a lot of people didn't at the time. <laughs> it's a contagious yeah. one. And I think she said in a, I heard her on another podcast and she said that um, she didn't like it at the time, but she was actually um, now reconsidering her view of it and she was going to go back and take a look at it because um, the guy who was talking to her um, kind of convinced her that it was a great <laughs> film. Interesting. Cool. Well... Yeah, I think we should probably wrap up. But it was so lovely to hear from you. Yeah, thanks for reaching out to us. That, that's a pleasure. Um, I'm always very, very happy to talk about Winona. <laughs> uh, so are still, we. So are we. <laughs> that's why we're here. She's still my favorite book. I've done 20 books, and she's still yeah. the favorite one. So um, it, it's nice to be able to do this podcast with you 
guys and um you know get a chance to talk about her how long people hear it yeah so that'll be uh be very very nice when it goes online so i look forward to that well we'll uh we'll let you know when it goes up (laughs) okay lovely to talk to you and i will keep listening to your podcast Oh, and that was Nigel Goodall. Mm-hmm. Not to be mistaken for Jane. No, I would say <laughs> Jane Goodall. Okay, sorry. Um, uh, well, that was quite an interview. Um, do you, were you weren't, did you remember seeing any Winona websites in the 90s? I don't think so. I don't know why. Were you online in the I, 90s? I was definitely online in the <laughs> 90s at the end. So around the time this book came out, I guess, was like my, mm, I guess, early days of me being online. Okay. Uh, I was making zines back then. So I think I was like just looking up stuff that I was writing about, like old cartoons. And <laughs> I don't know. Nostalgia. I think the internet was like... I used it so much to feed all my obsessions and and so I became so involved in like this Winona fan life. I was on that message board every day or what I, I can't even remember the name of the site. I like I think Nigel brought it up, but I don't know if it was the same site, but he we did have that similar story with the watch. Like I think Oh yeah, yeah, in another you mentioned episode that. I mentioned the watch. Everybody chipped in, so he knew about the watch too. Mm-hmm. So it must have been the same. It was the tale of the website. internet at yeah. the time. <laughs> the chipping in mm. for a watch. <laughs> That's amazing. Ooh. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I guess that was sort of the purpose of the websites at the time was like just to create a sort of community of mm-hmm. fans. I mean, I think the last thing I recall doing in that on that message board before going, okay, I think I've, I've you know filled my quota here was having an argument about like the new Star Wars episodes, like the prequels. Okay, Def- I was defending them. This was in a Winona message. Yeah, because there was like a there was another Why? like category that was just oh, like general yeah, yeah. movie talk, and of course right. I ended up there, and I was just defending the Star Wars movies and. And then I realized, I'm like, what? Why am I putting all my energy into this message board? Right. Which that's usually everybody's most experience who's on a message, message board. Boards. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm spending so much time arguing with strangers. Yeah. I mean, that's still what the internet is today. <laughs> a lot of people arguing with strangers. I'll admit that we were kind of trolls before trolls had a word. Okay. We um, went to, and this is in high school. I think it was in high school. Uh, Apollo dual fan site mm-hmm. message board. Okay. Oh, and we trolled it. So you didn't like Paula Abdul? I don't even know. Like, <laughs> it wasn't even like we were strongly hated her, but I think uh, she was becoming popular. Wait, what? What years? Maybe not. Maybe she wasn't because <laughs> I was going to say it was the just 80s like some was her popularity. No, it, was pre, but... it was pre-American Idol because right. I know she went back for that, but it was before that. Right. I don't know what we were doing. We were just like making fun of her, and there were just there was like very few Paula Abdul fans on the internet. Sure. The ones that were there were very strongly, like, you know, yeah. hated us. Dedicated. We were such jerks. But anyway, and that was what an interesting thing to choose. <laughs> to Paula just Abdul be like, trolling. I remember like Paul babysitting, and my friend that. called me and goes, Go on the Paula Abdul website right now. We, we've got some really funny things happening. And I was just like, Paula Abdul eats babies. <laughs> oh my God. It was so weird. Oh God. Interesting. Anyway. I feel like I was on a lot of like maybe Canadian indie band like <laughs> sites. I think that's the only stuff I talked about online. <laughs> I also like hunted down like weird Winona clips and stuff. Like I have um, probably saved on some CD-ROM. Um, I had a Winona folder and in it was like weird clips that I found. So the, the, the Japanese commercial she did for Cafe Latte. Have you ever seen those? I don't think so. Oh, I see Chris nodding, so Chris is familiar with it. I, I showed Chris. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it's, she's just kind of like, you know, coming to her house with a cafe latte and throwing off her sweater. And the, this is like song goes, need to make the time, need some peace of mind. And then there's no, she doesn't speak or anything. And then it says something in Japanese and cafe latte. And then that's it. Wow. <laughs> she, she, so she did a Japanese commercial. So did Nicolas Cage. He did pachinko commercials. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> pachinko. Yep. Um, yeah, I guess that's the thing. Um, celebrities doing commercials in Japan. Yeah, it's a reality. It happens. <laughs> 
Um, cool. That was another weird. What other weird video things? I don't know. Um, I just found. I, I sent it to you earlier. It was uh, an audio oh, yeah. clip of myself. Uh, I don't know what the hell it was for, but I'm like talking about all the stuff in my Winona Ryder big gulp, and it's really boring. And I sent it to my friend. I I don't know what, where that came from, or, or what she went. wanted it for. No. Huh? And I called it Winona One, so yeah. it was like there was gonna be another, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe it was uh, my first attempt at a podcast. So the Big Gulp Cup holds like newspaper articles that yeah, you've sorry, kept, yeah, yeah. News, weird newspaper articles and clippings that I've that I took, you know, from the '90s somewhere. Probably a lot of Entertainment Weekly, right? Because we had a subscription to that. Uh, and what else? Like Rolling Stone or something. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that you still keep it in the big, big gulp cup. Yep, and it's packed mm-hmm. now. Moving. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, moving. Moving. It's coming to the new house. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's uh, Winona in the '90s. That's, that's pretty much what I know, and I mean that's what he was talking about was mostly the '90s stuff. Yeah. I mean, he wrote his book, or it came out in '98, so uh, that makes sense. But also. You know, when we asked him what his favorite movies were, there were a lot of early things. And I find that to be true whenever I talk to anybody about the fact that I'm doing this podcast. They're like, oh, I liked Heathers. Oh, I liked Lucas. Honestly, I had dinner with some friends the other night. And I was like, what's your favorite Winona movies? And she was like, Lucas. And I was like, what? I mean, that's like, she's like, I guess I haven't seen it in a long time. So maybe it's Heathers. And I was like, okay. Because she's not really in Lucas very much. But... You know, that it depends on the time that you yeah. were like loving movies or like, you know, I don't know. It's a yeah. nostalgia thing, too, I think. Yeah. And then, then you have like, you know, the 25 year olds who are like, who's Winona? Yes. Winona, you know, and they, you know, I have that Winona tattoo and some, you know, people don't get it. Don't get it. They don't get it. They don't know who Winona is. They are like, oh, that's the girl from sad. Stranger Things. That's right. That that's, is. I mean, we do talk about that with Nigel too. Like how people know her. You jump all the way from the '90s to yeah. Stranger Things, and we're currently going through the time period in between. Sometimes I'm like, it's a mystery. Did you ever see Black Swan? Did you ever see, you know, uh, Star Trek? The, that one with whatever. oh yeah yeah. But yeah. I, they don't. They haven't. Right. Or she's such a small part of it that it's not like it doesn't stand out because I totally don't remember. I mean, I know that she was in Black Swan, but I can't place it. Uh I don't remember her part. (laughs) I I do because there was a fuller story to that. But yes, we'll talk about uh, it in Black Swan. (laughs) Save it. Save it for Black Swan. I will (laughs) shut my mouth. Um, Yeah. Uh, Uh, Heather's. Oh, yeah anniversary time 30 years of heathers anniversary right now there's a lot of articles we should share them on the internet yes (laughs) have you been reading any of them no me neither (laughs) (laughs) chris Chris sent one to me i I read part of it from the new yorker yeah but it's you know it's just rehashing stuff that you already know we all know this that's i probably why i haven't read it yeah (laughs) <laughs> I feel like we did all kinds of research at that. I mean, I read a whole book on Heather's when we were doing yeah. the Heather's episode. Well, we, I just we feel like Heathers. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's nice to tip a hat to mm-hmm. the thirtieth anniversary of Heather's. Yes. I actually did a tip hat mo- motion even though nobody can see me. <laughs> and it's nice to know that, you know, even though this guy, like Nigel, has never really like I mean, he, his his work covers up until the nineties, he's still like a genuine Winona Ryder fan. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had stuff to say. About he didn't the have anything stuff. negative to say about Winona Ryder at all. True. He said that she continues to, you know, be true to herself in her choices, mm-hmm. which I don't know. Like, I haven't analyzed the 2000s. I think when we get to the end of, like, when we get to, like, 2010-ish, mm-hmm. we can have a sort of reflection on what was happening in the 2000s and see. I I mean, I don't I don't disagree. I think that she is choosing things for... A reason I just can't figure out what the reason is. <laughs> or like what she, maybe she, I don't know. I don't want to speculate too much, but like I feel like. We should have maybe her on she the show. <laughs> there you go, that would help. Um, but I, I do wonder if like in the 90s she very she had like, um, you know, a, a certain personality that she wanted to like. She was 
uh, ah, what am I trying to say? Like she's, she was attracted to certain things that were like weirdo high school, like yeah, that kind of and thing. Then she wanted to kind of grow up out of that role. But exactly. I think that what, you know, Hollywood is, is like really impossible to get like really good roles for women. Just generally that. And I think you're in your twenties. You don't, like, I don't know about you, but in my 20s, that was like the most finding myself kind of time of my life where I really didn't have an identity. Like I had one in high school. And I think once I turned like got over 30, I like settled into myself a bit better. But in the in my 20s, I might have, you know what I mean? Like, I just think yeah, that she's she still trying to figure out she, shit. It is still kind of a what what are you what are you doing kind yeah. of moment and maybe but. in her 30s she kind of just took some time and was like okay maybe i gotta reevaluate what i'm doing here maybe i mean i don't know i don't know and then she took like very small roles so she wasn't yeah. you know and i know that she focused a lot on fashion and she went to a lot of fashion shows and i i actually think she did is she with a fashion designer now is that her yeah. partner yeah. yeah she worked with mark jacobs after the shoplifting incident right um something else did she work? She might have done some, this is, I don't know what date this was, but there was vagina monologue stuff. Oh yeah. I saw, where did I see that listed? I think in the back of, um, Nigel's book, it lists oh. like other things that she did. And I feel like that was listed there. Yes. She was involved in that with, uh, Brittany, the late Brittany Murphy. Hmm. I'm pretty sure. So that, Interesting. Yeah, that's been the early two thousands. Yeah. So maybe she's just experimenting in this time and we're just not loving what she's yeah. been in as part of her experience. Yeah, I mean, you're 13 years old. You're told you this is your career for your whole life. Maybe she wanted to like try something different. Yeah, or, well, just, also, or just be like quiet and not act. Yeah, you know? like why? Why? Yeah, did, you know? do other things. Do too. other things. <laughs> sure, sure. That seems reasonable <laughs> to assume. All right, cool. Well, thanks for joining us for this special episode. Stay tuned next time for. Another installment of Winona Forever. <laughs> <laughs> the last word is the next episode. The last And that's word. 2008. Okay. Whew, she's got a couple more in 2008, some in 2000, oh, a lot in 2009. Then Black Swan is 2010. So I feel like that's the, that's the time that to look at if there's a transition <laughs> into the next decade. I don't know. We can reevaluate the 2000s then. We can really think about what's been going on <laughs> when we get to yeah, Black Swan. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, the last word next week. Next two next weeks. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Winona Forever is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. Episodes produced by Chris Landry. Music by No Refunds. Hosted by Lindsay Gibb and Rakatul Saram. Contact Rekka and Lindsay at Winona at cageclub.me.